let's talk about sex. Ready? Woo, who keeps yelling that back there? Because there's somebody excited about sex today. Oh, wow. I had a conversation with a, a, a young man before service, and he said, boy, this is a tough topic. You know, he's about 13. Now. I said, you know what? You and I need to meet about every Tuesday at 6 a.m. for the next two years and talk about this topic. <laughs> That's way too much, Pastor. So listen closely because we might not do it every Tuesday at 6 a.m. All right, you ready? So here's what we're talking about. Each of us are hardwired by God for intimacy. That's how we're wired. God made us that way. He shaped us for intimacy. And so, so we all have this longing, this, this drive, this desire in, in, inside of each one of us to belong, to, to be loved, to love. I mean, that's what God created us to do. And we're wired that way. And so as we begin to explore what that means, we have to... Look, if we're going to talk about intimacy, we've got to talk about sexual intimacy. So the first week or two, that first two weeks are about sex. And then next week, we're going to shift gears and we're going to go a little different direction. But we've got to talk about sexual intimacy. And an and obvious question comes up, why talk about sex in church? Why talk about sexual intimacy here? I mean, come on. I mean, are you serious? And, and here's the deal. Two big reasons. Number one, God, the creator of all of us in this room wired us for sex. I mean, that's, we are sexual beings. God created us that way. So if God wired us that way, it would probably be a good idea for us to go to the originator or the maker or the master or the manual builder and say, how's this supposed to work? How's this supposed to take place? And so really, why talk about it here is we need God's perspective on sex like never, ever before. Now, I throw it out. Uh, the, today's message is, is rated PG-13, so if you have a little one in service today, it might be a bit too much. But let me throw this out there. I'm believing more and more that the age for people to have the sex conversations is getting younger and younger and younger. The reason why is because kids are being exposed to sexuality younger and younger and younger. So I don't know about you, but I think the conversation in the right way needs to be had before it's made in the wrong way. So just to throw that out there, just for you to kind of think about as a parent. Now, I, was, I came across this a little illustration about what is sex? What is sex? That's what we're going to talk about. There was an eight, eight-year-old girl. Dad pulls up in the driveway, and she goes running out to dad as he's getting out of the car. And she yells, Dad, 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 what is sex? He's like, oh, man, I didn't know this was going to happen so early. I wasn't prepared for it. And he's like, well... I guess now's just as good a time as any time. So he goes over and he sits down on the front steps with her and he begins to have the conversation. Awkwardly, he tries to describe what is sex. You know, and he goes, boys and girls, they're, they're made different, you know. Different shapes, different needs and different ideas and different, they're just different, you know. And she, she kind of nodded her head a little bit. And he, the, you know, different feelings. You know, well, and, and Adam and Eve. Let me tell Adam and Eve. God created Adam and Eve. And, you know, and Adam and she, she's like, Adam and Eve. And, he, and then there's virtues and there's values and there's character and there's integrity and there's, there's waiting and, 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 the, and there's, there's marriage and there's, there's fertilized eggs and there's sperm and there's, and, and she, her head spinning. You know, he, he keeps talking about it and, 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 you know, and he goes on and on and on. Finally, the little girl kind of shakes her head. Well, well, well okay, uh, um, um, that's all good. I'm not really sure what you're talking about. I was just wondering what is sex because mom told me to tell you supper will be ready in a couple secs. <laughs> I 
Let that sink in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I love a good joke, yes. There you go. So, the question today is, what is sex? What is sex? And most of us, I asked Jennifer this morning. I just threw it out just to see what she'd say. I said, so honey, what's, what is sex? I mean, it's just not one of those things we think about describing. You know, it's not like we're going, oh yeah, I know the description. And for most of us, we don't know how to answer that question. And we might be able to give a physical description. You know, we get into the anatomy and we get into some of these things and, and that's how we do it. Or, or maybe we, we really get off the, the beaten path and we start talking about love and character and all these different things. Or maybe we get into this feeling idea. Or maybe if we're super spiritual, we start talking about it in the context of God and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's kind of one of those things we don't talk about a lot. What is sex? And, and really what usually happens is we tend to approach the topic of understanding sexual intimacy with a default mode instead of an understanding mode. We tend, we tend to go after it with, with well, it just kind of has been laid in my lap. Is this what it is? We don't, we don't really have this, this real good idea from God. We have this kind of messed up idea that was just given to us by default. Things like, you know, the, the default mode is that we have the wrong people defining our thoughts about sex. It's things like our own feelings. You know, we've, we've, we've felt this in the past, and so, or we feel this now, and so that's how we define sex. That's what it is. It's a feeling. And we get messed up with that. Or, or and this is what happens a lot of times, is people look at their experiences that they've had physically, and that's what they define as sex. You know, and, and so it gets all kind of messed up and twisted in here because I'm defaulting. I'm defaulting to my feelings and I'm defaulting to my past experiences and somehow putting them in this category that that's what it is when in reality I just kind of fell into that maybe or maybe I made a choice that wasn't quite right and so I defaulted into that. Or, or, or it's movies, you know, movies I think are a big default mode. We go to the movies and we watch somebody and we see something or it's described as this or something on TV and that's how we understand what sex is. It's default. Or, or, it's, a, or it's a magazine or it's a song. I mean, songs are powerful. I mean, the songs that sometimes we listen to on the radio, they create this understanding, if you will, of what sex is and it's default. In other words, it wasn't intentionally understood what it was. It was, this is somebody just kind of randomly describing it in this context, and I've somehow absorbed this. Or my, the worst case one is that the sixth grade boy who, who has just enough understanding of sex that he's dangerous. And that's what we have as an understanding. And my, my contention is this. I believe that most of us begin to form or shape our idea of our sexual identity in junior high. And it's getting earlier now. So that 13-year-old, him and I, I think I am going to be with him every Tuesday at 6 a.m. You know? I mean, because that's, that's what's happening. That's, who, that's where we're at. And so many times we, we get that in that default mode, and it's really not accurate to what it should be in the right idea. Now, one more thing before we jump into some text today is that you and I are, are both in the middle of a battle. You're, you're in it. I'm in it. Everyone in this room is in it. You're like, not me. No, we're, we're all in this battle. And what's going on is ever since the garden, ever since Adam and Eve, and ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, there's been this battle on distortion. 
There's been this battle to try to distort real intimacy and make real purity something less or something different than it actually is. And so it's constantly going on, and we're in the middle of it right now. Some, and all the things that you're getting default modes of understanding, it is trying to define for you a distorted, twisted idea of purity when God's saying, wait a minute, time out, time out. This, there's a beautiful thing here, and I want you to see it. And so a lot of us, or all of us, are in this battle. Excuse me. And, and some, sometimes it brings to us these huge consequences instead of this incredibly beautiful fulfillment that God wants us to have. And so we miss out on what God planned for our lives because we fell trapped to the, to the battle. Now, there's two major distortions about sex real quickly. The first one is this. My sex plan, my sex plan, my idea is better than his idea. That's the first one. Is that somehow I've convinced myself that I've got this down. I don't need any help. <laughs> I know exactly how it works. I know exactly what it needs to do. I, 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 I got a better plan. And so my sex plan is better than his sex plan. And we try to replace God's plan about sex with our own plan. And we try to find fulfillment and sound satisfaction outside of God's design. And we kind of got this feels good, do it, feels good to me. And so we go about doing it. That's a very distorted view of the right way to view sex. And it gets us in a lot of trouble. And so the scripture that I threw in here, it's kind of a random scripture, but I think it fits today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, in the, in the Beatitudes, it says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. In another translation, it says righteousness. In other words, those that hunger and, and thirst for the way God has put things together. Because those that hunger and thirst for these things that goes on, they will be satisfied. Not those that say, hey, I've got this plan. I know God's got his plan. I'm going to do mine. He says just the opposite. Satisfaction comes from God's plan, not my own. First distortion. The second one is this. Is that sex is not a big deal. It's not a big deal. What are you talking about? It's just sex. I mean, why, why even have this conversation? And really what happens is we try to minimize the role of sex in our lives and, and make it something like it's just eating. It's like sleeping. It's like breathing. It's just physical recreation. It's casual. Come on. And we try to minimize it and, and, and bring it down to the point where it's not this big deal. So then when we're out there just kind of doing our thing, it doesn't really matter. Let me throw out a few more that we make it as a nobility. You know, oral sex doesn't really count. Technically, it's not sex. Wrong. Modesty is for losers. Man, if you got it, you got to show it. I mean, bring it out. Let everybody see what's going on with you. I mean, come on. And, and so we get all these lies about this because we make it a no, it's not a big deal. And the only thing that matters is nobody, get hurt, nobody gets hurt and that you're in love. Doesn't matter who or whether you're married or not. It doesn't matter what your orientation is. We're just open minded. And we're like, ah. Because what we're doing is we're making sex no big deal. And that's a major distortion of what's going on. So I want to go back for, for just a few minutes and talk about a couple scriptures that we over, uh, went over. Actually, let me go backwards. What we skipped last week, because basically part one was last week, part two is this week, and we're talking about the same text, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So I want to I go back there. And there, here's the background real quick. Paul is talking to a group of people in Corinth, and, and the group of people in Corinth think that they can just kind of live any way they want to live. 
do anything they want to do, especially in the area of sexual immorality, and it's not going to affect them at all. In other words, last week we talked about, hey, you think you can do anything because you're free to do anything, but it's actually costing you more than what you want to, what you want to pay, and so you've got to reevaluate this thing. And so Corinth is going through all these things. And Corinth was this original sin city. It was that what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Vegas got that from that. Okay? That's, that's what's, what's going on. It was a, a whatever goes kind of place. And, and, and here's how crazy it was. Sex was even a part of the worship service. That if you went to a temple or temples, many of the temples, you would go into the temple worship service and at the entrance to the temple worship would be prostitutes that was part of the worship experience. I mean, it was just kind of crazy how it was going on. It was just out of control. And so he's talking to this group of people going, wait a minute, you need to understand what's really going on with sex. Because obviously you're not, you're missing something really big here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. It says, don't you realize, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man or woman or, you know, just a person take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Should you, should you do that? I mean, is, is that what you should do? And then he answers the question, never. He said, man, that is, not, that is not right. It's not healthy. It's not, it's not what God designed. That's not what it is. And, and don't you realize that if a, if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. So something's happening here. For the scriptures say the two are united in one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Then jumping down a few verses. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? I mean, so, so he's having this conversation, and you can read the whole thing. Uh, go back to last week and realize he's saying, hey, here's the deal. I want you to get this because this is huge because it's affecting your life in ways that you don't even know it's affecting you. And so, so get a hold of this. And so there's, I think I've got three things here that I want to throw out today as, as right from this text. The first one is this. The pathway to sexual intimacy starts with how we think. The pathway to sexual intimacy starts with how we think. It's getting a grasp on God's design. See, three times in this whole text, Paul says the same phrase. Don't you realize? Don't don't you think about this? Don't you perceive this? Don't you understand this? Can you not get your mind and your your thoughts around this idea? I mean, he he said, hey, you got to think about it. You need to understand this. And the reason why, because Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. In other words, the way I think has a huge effect on where I end up. The way I perceive things to be in reality of what they are in relationship to God who created me has a huge effect upon my life. He says, don't you realize you got to think right. Here's, here's a little quote I found. As, I mean, my, my kids, I noticed Tori, she's Facebooking this week, said, I hate it when my dad does a sex talk. You know, got sex books all over the house. She's telling the truth. I got sex books all over the house. I'm reading a great one right now. It's called Sex Experiment. Just want to throw it out there for you married couples. Go for it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got a real good... Yeah. But the quote was, mind-blowing, 
God-honoring sex between, <laughs> begins between your ears, not between your legs. Somehow we've got to understand that there is this thought process that has to be right for me to ever get to the point that God would have this thing happen with me in the context of that he designed it that would be good, healthy, and beautiful. All right? Second thing is this. The key is viewing ourselves. So the first one is the pathway to sexual intimacy starts with how I think. The second part of it is the key is viewing ourselves as spiritual beings. I have to see myself the way God sees me and how God made me, how I'm wired. If I don't see myself the way God wired me and I don't see, the way, so the way, see myself the way God made me, then when I come to this whole idea of sex and the interaction and the different ways that I'm doing life, I could easily mess it up. I could easily mess up the wiring because I have to view myself as a spiritual being. He says, your bodies are actually parts of Christ. Don't you understand? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's something happening in you right now that is incredibly spiritual. You can't avoid it. You can't get away from this fact that God made you spiritual. When he created humanity... He looked at you and he looked at me and he said, we're going to make them different. You know what he said he's going to make different about them? He said, we're going to make them in an image of ourselves, meaning God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're going to make them in the image of ourselves. And we're like, well, what's that mean? Two things. Number one is that we have a spirit that is eternal. Number two is that we were built for a specific relationship with the Creator. Those two things make you different than my dog, Sam. Okay, my dog, Sam, he he doesn't have that. He doesn't have a spirit and he is not built for a very special, intimate relationship with me or with his God. But God built us that way. This spiritual idea is part of who we are. So then sex is this huge deal because it encompasses our entire being, body, mind and spirit. The problem is, is we tend to make it cheap and make it about body (laughs) Or maybe mind, emotion, and we cast away this whole idea that it could be spiritual. And we get lost in this thinking, oh, well, what happens? But here's what happens. Because it's body, mind, spirit, and I engage in the different areas of sexuality, and it blows up in my face and it gets crazy, it's because I did not understand the intense value of what's going on. It is body, mind, spirit. I'm a spiritual being. He said, do you not realize your bodies are actually part of Christ? You're spiritual in nature. And so what happens is we try to make it cheap. We try to compartmentalize sex. We think that somehow I can, over here, I can be part of this body thing. And over here, I can be part of this mind thing. And over here, Sunday morning at South is going to be part of this spiritual thing. And we think, ah, they're all compartmentalized. And the reality, and this is what Paul is saying, you can't separate them. You can't separate them. So it starts doing something in us and through us. It's impossible because it's the way we're wired. So then what happens? Every sexual behavior then has a spiritual consequence. Every sexual behavior then has a spiritual consequence. So now, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. That means that what's happening when I'm engaging in what I thought was just a body thing... I'm actually doing something spiritual. 
I'm actually participating in something that's very intimate that God created me for, that all of a sudden it's body, mind, and spirit. It's more than just a physical thing. It's more than just an emotional thing. It's all these things combined, and every sexual behavior has spiritual consequences, meaning, and this is what he was saying, it all counts. It all counts. There's not one thing that I can do sexually that I said, that doesn't count. There's not one thing that I can be involved in sexually that I can say, no, that doesn't count. Everything counts. And so that's, that's what is, the second thing is this, is that each one of us then are sexually responsible. As human beings, spiritual human beings, we are all sexually responsible. And what that basically means is this. Paul is saying, hey, don't you realize you're accountable for your own sexuality? Nobody's, nobody's forcing you here. Nobody's, nobody's making you do these things. But understand these things, uh, that you're spiritual. Every decision that you make counts, and you are sexually responsible. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can I blame my mom? No, you can't blame my mom. <laughs> can I blame my, my culture? No, you can't blame your culture. Can, can, I, can I blame? The, it's the movies. The, that sixth grade boy that was dangerous, that's who I'm blaming can't do it. You are spiritually and sexually responsible. So then you go to Galatians chapter 6, you get this verse. Don't be misled. Don't fool yourselves. Don't understand it's thinking in this understanding of spirit. Don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. In other words, God's going to go, oh yeah, you're right. That was all their fault. Sorry, bummer. (laughs) You know, oh well. I mean, there's this thing going on here. And so you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. And and really what it means is this. Careless or carefree sexuality is always dangerous to my spiritual being. And the reason why is it's incompatible with a holy God. Now, what we're not saying, because we're going to get to the next one, is it, well, then, man, we, sex is bad. No, sex is beautiful. Sex is beautiful. God created it. He designed it. But when I don't understand these things, all of a sudden I get into this messed up wiring thing and it gets crazy. So, last one. The reason for sex. So, what is sex? We're going to talk about that now. The reason for sex is to be a bonding agent for life. To be a bonding agent for life. Now, he, he says the two are united into one. So, and the, the two shall become one. You know, some of the texts, you go to the, the weddings and they say, and the woman will leave her family and cleave to the husband and they shall be one. You know, we all kind of, oh. It's powerfully spiritual, sexual at the same time. There's something going on here. There's something happened. The reason for sex is a bonding agent for life. From the beginning, here's what happened. God wired each and every one of us to be in a permanent deal with one person. That's how God wired us. He wired me to be in an intimate sexual relationship for one person for life. That's how he wired me. Now, how many of you know what happened so? If I had a big gong up here, I'd go gong. Didn't happen. How many of you know that a lot of us are struggling to find intimacy in our relationships? 
You can wave at me, maybe. (laughs) Nod your head. Smile. Just smile. Just smile. Yeah. We struggle with these things, and the reason why we're struggling is because we've missed the reason for sex. It was meant to be a bonding agent for life, but instead we made it about a body function and a mind function, an emotional thing, neglected the spiritual part of it, and now we can't figure out, oh, how did it happen? Because we messed with the wiring. We messed with the wiring. And now we've got to try to figure out, okay, God, what, how, can I, how can I make this right? And God made it permanent. It, it was a physical act and a, a part of a lifelong press, a process of the two, and this is an interesting little phrase, becoming one. In other words, it wasn't instant. It's the process of the whole time together. All right? So, so it's something that's supposed to be an ongoing, intimate thing that's happening in a husband and wife relationship. But we get, we get it all messed up here. We get it all messed up. So God wired us. And by the way, the very, that phrase one literally means to be melted together, to be inseparably linked. That's what it means. That they were made that way, that I was wired that way. So, so sex joins two people together spiritually, emotionally, and physically. But too often we think it's just physical and sometimes we experience the emotional side. But the truth is it's all at the same time. So... Casual or carefree sex is messing up the wiring. Listen to this. And what happens then is I'm experiencing experiencing a fraction of what God intended for me to experience. So what's happening is many of us are sexually frustrated because we didn't sexually understand what God designed us to be a part of. And so now we're trying to figure out what to do now. Well, well, where, do, where do we go? Well, the first thing is I gotta, it starts with my thinking. I've got to understand what's going on here. It starts with me understanding and viewing myself as a spiritual being. It's bigger than just the body. And now I understand the reason it's supposed to be a bonding agent in a one relationship for life situation. So, and, oh, by the way, yeah, i got to throw this out there real quick. It's kind of like this. this. This duct tape is really old, so I don't know how well this will work. You know? So this is you. You were created to stick, right? And many of you have seen this illustration. It's a perfect illustration. It, it gets used all the time because it's easy to understand. And what happens then is God said, hey, I've created you to stick with one other person for life, right? So the two of you come together and hopefully the marriage night is like a celebration of stickiness. Yeah, take that. Yeah. And so the two of you come and uh, meet together the appropriate time and the appropriate context. And, whoa, I can't, and, and man, and it, whoa, sticky. And, well, that's because that one time he watched that show he shouldn't have watched. I mean, that's it. That's, that's, that's what God wants it to be right there. It's just, man, you, I mean, we, to tear this apart now would be a real difficult thing because it was put together the way it was supposed to be put together. Now, then what happens, though, is here we are. We're like, well, I can't wait. I can't wait. So we start coming along. I love this person, and I love this person, and I love this person. And I love, let me say, I love this person. And I love this person. 
Yeah, let me say, I love this person. It's getting gross now, isn't it? I love this person. I didn't really like that person, but I was drunk, so I love that person. Right? So now I come to this place where I'm supposed to stick. And it's like, oh, why won't this work? Why, why doesn't this happen the way it's supposed to happen? I mean, it won't do it anymore. I mean, even when I try to stick it to the sticky, it just won't work the way it's supposed to work. It will now because that tape's really old. But the point is this. We're messing with the wiring. We're messing with the wiring. God made it to be something beautiful that would be connecting together for life. Now, worship team's going to come because I want to wrap this up. And here's, here's my point. So what is sex? What is it? What is it? I mean, what is it? What is sex? Not like, well, supper's going to be ready in a couple sacks. What is sex? And, and, and here's some answers. You know, and I, I thought about this a lot this week. Number one, sex is a God-given desire. God placed it in it. It's a God thing. It's not, a, it's not an ugly thing. It's not a, uh, an anti-thing. It's a God-given desire that is intended to bring an exclusive expression of oneness between a wife and a husband for life. That's what it's intended for, right? And so that's what sex is designed to connect or fuse a husband and a wife together for life. It is, sex is a significant part of the process of a husband and wife becoming one. It's important for a husband and wife to have sex. It's important. (laughs) Like, why? Why? Because it's part of the process of them becoming one spiritually, emotionally, physically. So if you're not doing that, that's why it says in another part of the text, it says, hey, husbands or wives, don't withhold yourself from one another. Why is he saying that? It's because it's part of the process of you becoming one. Sex is to be spiritual, emotional, and physical. It's supposed to be a building block to establishing that lifelong bond. And sexual intimacy does this. In marriage, it fulfills God's purpose of recreation. Very practical. (laughs) Now, babies. Procreate, I mean, excuse me, uh, recreation, it's going to be enjoyable. Procreation, you're going to have babies. And connection, you're going to have this sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. God created all that. It's it's a beautiful thing. But we've got to know how it works. So, last thing. What do you do if you've blown it? I'm just guessing. Maybe one or two of you in the room have blown it. It's a joke. Maybe a lot of us have. Maybe a lot of us are sitting there today going, man, my, I've messed up this whole tape thing, and this I've messed it up so bad it's not even funny. It doesn't mean it's over. It means that you have consequences that are part of your past that you can never completely get rid of because that's who you were and that's who you've been part of. That's, that's, there's some definition there. But here's the deal. What have you blown? You accept God's offer for a brand new start. It's like, how can that happen? Here's what God does. God says, you know what? All the stupid that you've done in your life sexually, all the stuff that you've been a part of, everything that you've ever messed up in this area that I'm talking about, I'm so in love with you. I'm going to provide a way for you to get a brand new start. And he says, I'm going to forgive you. 
I'm going to forgive you to the very core of who you are. So deep, so profound, so grand. It's actually going to give you this amazing sense that you're starting all over again. I could use that. Some of you walking in today, you're walking in here, you've got bags of past. And Jesus said, let's, let's do this. I would like to forgive you for everything you've ever done. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. It's not because you're good enough. It's because I love you so much. I'd like to forgive you. Because see, what holds me under the power of what I've done in the past is shame and guilt. And Jesus is saying, I will take care of the shame and the guilt. I will pay the price on the cross for you. And so what I have to do then is I simply have to do this. I accept. I said, God, here it is. I accept what you've done for me completely. I accept it. I just accept it. I mean, you can't do anything about it because you've already blown it. And now the only thing you have left is, Lord, will I accept your offer of forgiveness? And here's what I wrote down my notes because I think this is the Spirit of God speaking. Is that Jesus sees you. He sees what you've been a part of. Matter of fact, here's what blows my mind. God knew everything, every time you did it. Everyone. Every, everything that you were part of that was sexually trashing who you were supposed to be, he knew all about it. Not only does he see you, but he believes in you. And he says, you know what? I still think you can be great and experience what I created you to experience, but you've got to get a brand new start. I see you. And he knows all about where I've been and what I've been a part of. And the question is, is will I accept this amazing offer of love to be forgiven and get a brand new start? Will I give him my luggage? (laughs) Will I give him my junk? Will I give him my past? Will I give him all the stuff because God wants to do something through me yet he's not done so if you're in a marriage and it's struggling because of all the junk in the past this is the answer if you're a single person you just keep blowing it you can't figure out why you feel so guilty and full of shame all the time and you're trying to find your identity and all the other guys or gals or whatever it might be I mean this is it so accept God's offer and then there's three other real quick things is you gotta guard your mind if it's a thinking problem you gotta guard your mind Realize that what and how you think is affecting you. Stop living the lies. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent, worthy of praise. Last thing, the last two things is break away from destructive relationships. Maybe right now you're involved in something relationally, whether it be pornography or a person or whatever it might be, the answer isn't, I'm going to say, God, would you forgive me? God, would you help me guard my mind? But I'm not going to do anything about those relationships. That's stupid. And so maybe some of you, and you need to break away from a relationship. Now, if you're in a marriage relationship, I'm going to give you just a little bit different advice. I'm going to say fight for intimacy. Don't break away from it. (laughs) Fight for it fight for it. And the last thing is this, is focus on your future. Focus on your future. Meaning this, begin to see yourself in identity with what God says, that's how I created you. Begin to position yourself in relationships that fulfill God's purpose and plan for you sexually, not destroy it. Begin to do that. 
Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many say today, Pastor, you're speaking to me. I, I need Jesus to forgive me for a past and now I have baggage and I need a brand new start. I need that desperately in my life. I know that's the first step. I'm full of guilt and I'm full of shame and I'm asking and I'm crying out desperately for Jesus to forgive me. That's me. Would you just wave your hand at me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, I pray for those that have raised their hands right now. Lord, not that they would do anything, but just say, okay. Not that they would try to earn something, but they would just surrender. Not that they would, they would try to justify or blame, but Lord, they would just lay it all at your feet and say, God, here's my past. Here's the stuff I've been a part of. Here's what I've done. Here's my choices. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, would you please pour out your love and your mercy and grace over my life? I accept the offer. I don't deserve it. I accept it. Lord, may I have a new start right now to guard my mind to break away from what's destructive, to focus on the future. God, may that be the case right now in Jesus' name. Amen.